Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome to the Theater Podcast, intimate personal conversations with the industry's biggest names. I'm your host, Alan Seals, and our guest today is Tarek Davis, who is helping us finish off the Freestyle Love Supreme takeover here on the podcast. If you watched the Tony Awards the other night, of course, it was a little bit strange being behind a paywall at first, but then their performances came out near the end that was publicly broadcast. The whole night was closed out by Freestyle of Supreme, including Tarek. And in this episode, we get into his imposter syndrome a little bit, which is really, really fun to talk about because everybody's got it and nobody wants to talk about it. But he was next to Wayne Brady and Lin-Manuel and... Idina Menzel and Kristen Chenoweth and all these other people that he's looked up to in the community for years. And they were feeling the same nervousness and the same anxiety about performing live that he was feeling. And it was a really reassuring thing he was talking about uh, showing that kind of everybody just needs to embrace the fact that we all get nervous. Sometimes we all reach a point and we're like, how did we get here? But if you're there in the room, his advice is just go with it. That's the improv yes and. He's got 20 years of acting and improv experience. Freestyle Love Supreme finally made him realize that he's best in his career and in his auditions when he brings his authentic self, when he brings himself to the table. And now, as they say, his career's taking off. The rest is history. Please leave your rating and a review wherever you're listening now. Find me online. Give me a shout out. Let me know you're listening. And now everybody, please enjoy this episode with Tarek Davis. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Here you go. One, two, three. Today's guest is an actor and writer based in New York City with a 20-year history of acting, performing improv, and writing comedy. Past experiences include performing for the Upright Citizens Brigade here in New York, Boom Chicago, and Amsterdam, and the Second City in Chicago. He's a member of the longest-running improv team at The Pit, called The Baldwins, and also performs with Baby Wants Candy and Shamilton at UCB in Hell's Kitchen. He's a founding member of the monthly improv show Comedy People's Time and made his Broadway debut in Freestyle Love Supreme, 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 which just returned to Broadway on October 7th, 7th, 7th. Tarek Davis, welcome to the Theater Podcast. How you doing? How you doing? You're coming off of the Tony Awards. Yes, yes we are. We're coming off the Tonys. Um... That was, it was a dream. It was, uh, it, I, I can't imagine. It was just an absolute dream. It was one of the best days of my life. Um, it's, you know, filled with nerves and anxiety. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, I can't really, I'm, I'm, try, I'm having struggling trying to put into words of like what it's like to be in a room and like, you know, Wayne Brady's right here and Wayne Brady is responsible 
for me doing what I do. Like I saw him and I had a chance to tell Wayne Brady this, like uh, back in 2019, uh, we, uh, that was my first time being with FLS. Mm-hmm. You know, I hadn't uh, auditioned. It was a whirlwind audition. And, you know, Tommy Kale's like, you know, after the callback, uh, you know, you got the job, right? You know, he's very, <laughs> Tommy's like a very cool, uh, but when he talks to you, it's very intimate. So he gets like, you know, you got the job, right? And I was like, oh, and he was like, so what are you doing this weekend? And I was like, um, I don't know. What am I doing this weekend? And he, and they told me they were doing freestyle was doing uh, a week of shows at the Kennedy center. And this is the summer of 2019. So like two days later, I'm on a train to DC. Uh, and I'm like, wow, I've never done the show before. I, I will be learning the show and doing it on the fly, which is kind of the ethos of what we do. Anyway. <laughs> And, you know, I'm coming out of my hotel room and I see down the hall coming out of his hotel room, Wayne Brady. And I know Wayne Brady's doing the show. (laughs) I know he's doing the show. He has no idea who I am. No idea that we're going, walking to the same place, walking in the same elevator. And so he gets in and I'm like, hey, man, I don't know if you know this, but we're going to the same rehearsal. Uh, I'm going to be doing some shows with you. And he was very gracious and nice. And it's like, oh, great. Awesome. And then we gets back to that awkward silence says, you know, <laughs> happens in the elevator. And then I finally go like, look, man, I just got to tell you, um, I started doing improv in the nineties, kind of like just as a thing of, uh, in lieu of like finding a show to, you know, to do thinking that like, ah, yeah, this is fun, but I'm an actor and I need to, wait until there's an audition for me to actually have something to do and not knowing that there'd be a future in it. And then I saw him, I saw him on TV being incredible and amazing. And I was on like, whose line? on whose line is it anyway? And yeah. it was incredible to see that, not to see him, but see him as a black man uh, in something that at the time and still, I think today, but I think those, those, you know, whatever mental barriers are breaking, uh, that people assume that improv uh, is a white art. It, it is an art for everybody, just like, just like hip-hop is. And seeing Wayne Brady be fully authentic, fully himself, fully hilarious, I was like, oh, that's, that's it. Well, maybe I'll stick with this thing. Never in my wildest imaginings thinking, one, I get to do a show with him at the Kennedy Center. And then imagine, again, my surprise, here I am in the room and waiting to perform the t- at the closing act of the Tonys. And, you know, we finish and me and Wayne are holding hands, jumping up and down, going, we're at the Tonys, we're at the Tonys. <laughs> He's just excited. He's just as excited as I am. This is, oh my God. Like if I, I could have flown, man, I could have flown right after that. That's it how was, I did. It was still- beautiful. I, I actually, uh, I want to, I don't know if you're allowed to talk about the, the process that went into writing that closing number. Cause it I, obviously um, you had to know, well, I, I don't know how much advance notice you got of who the winners were. Were you writing it? backstage and sort of rehearsing things in real time as the, as the winners were being announced. Yes, it was very, so Lynn and our director, Tommy Kale, uh, are, they were like, um, it was a mixture of things. Like there were some things like we knew, all right, we're gonna, we know people are going to be singing these numbers. So we will be like, you know, we know that Tina Turner is going to be singing. We know that, but like, you don't know what the acceptance speeches are going to be. You don't know what the funny moments are going to happen in the show. So we are all, we were locked in. Uh, all upstairs, all the whole Looney Tunes gaggle of us <laughs> just glued to the TV. And like Tommy and Linda would be like, we're looking at every acceptance speech being like, all right, what's, what's the funny moment? What do we repeat? Uh, what do we, what can we mine for gold? Um, and that and that's kind of that's kind of how it worked. 
and it was very quick and frantic and like nobody knowing like it's a very different process for us because you know we're, we everything we do is completely improvised and right. this, uh, this was a uh, a bit of a mesh of stuff um rehearsed like we were all joking like we've rehearsed more than we ever have <laughs> for for this 4 minutes um and it was it turned out all right it turned out to still have the spontaneity uh of what we do and i hope it worked out uh we had fun regardless <laughs> so you had 4 minutes on the clock so obviously it was a planned 4 minutes but did you how many times did you run through that 4 minutes uh we ran through it a bunch of the day like uh we you know just like the beats the beats that we were going to sing like um like that was to me the most anxiety driven like i i sing but like i'm not you know i'm on stage with James Monroe Englehart and Chris Jackson <laughs> and Anissa Folds and Wayne Brady, like sangers, sangers. And like, and we have the great Ian Weinberger, who's like, you know, a musical director. And he's, you know, he's, he does Hamilton and he's rehearsing with me. He's like, all right, Tack, I want you to hit this key and, uh, you know, don't drag here. And I'm like, fam. I literally do comedy bits <laughs> for a living, <laughs> but I'm so, I was, but it's also, I'm like so appreciative that like, all right, you're going to invest the seriousness, seriousness in me. I'm going to take this seriously. And if I get to sing a duet with James Monroe Englehart and nobody blinks and I, all right, I'm not going to be the one to squeak out. <laughs> like, hey, does anybody realize that I'm not supposed to be here? <laughs> um, well, how, how do you actually let's dive into this? Because the the crew of FLS is like they've known each other for years. It's I got your back, right? That's what yeah. that's the mantra. I got your back. I got your back. So even yeah. even now, where you are now, you perform with them in 2019. Tommy Kale's like, you know, you got the job, right? Like it's an it's right. like it's obvious when you walked in, you got the job. And so it sounds though, as you're talking about this last night, um, as we're recording this. It was last night that um, that you still have a little bit of uh, imposter syndrome, for oh, lack of better. Yeah, no, no, that's it. And I, I openly talk about it. Uh, you know, <laughs> therapy about it. Um, it is a real, a real uh, thing with me. However, I will say, like, like last night was definitely a. You know, even it's. You know, it's this weird mental bridge of like, oh, no, this is my goofy family. This is my tribe. And I felt that way instantly. Um, I felt that way in 2019 at the Kennedy Center. I felt that way. Um, I felt that way during our Broadway run um, when you know I made my debut and like I got to do that. Um, but. Jelly, you know, Andrew Bancroft, uh, Bancroft, uh, Jelly Donut, we were joking. And I, every, I think I'm not alone is the best thing. Like, again, seeing Wayne Brady get nervous, get anxious and excited and giddy. And like, <laughs> I, uh, you know, um, I think it was James Monroe who asked me, was like, you know, we, we, we rehearsed in the um, Winter Garden for the first time. And James Monroe, we're in the waiting in the wings to start. And he whispers to Wayne, like, you ever get tired of this? And Wayne goes, never. I just laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. And I was like, right. We're all theater nerds. We're all, we were all like theater nerds in high school. Mm -hmm. And we're all still theater nerds. And everybody is coming from that place of when they hit that stage. And I see, and you see it, and not just, I see it definitely in the FLS fam. And I'm getting a little misty about it, but you see it like I'm watching, you know, all these incredible performers rehearse. And you see them still like rehearsing. Like, I may not get it. Let me try my best. And that's when I, you know, and it, 
even the, you know, it, it just makes you realize like all of us still feel like on some level, I hope they like me. I hope I belong here. And the answer is you always do. Um, as soon as you find yourself into that space, and this is the teacher in me talking to anybody listening to this, you always belong there. Um, especially if you're working and doing everything you can to make sure that you bring whatever you bring to that space. But that imposter syndrome, that other voice is always going to be there too. And for me, he's very loud. (laughs) He is always looking into the audience and always like, oh my God, there is Bernadette Peters. Uh, You've had a crush on her since you were five. (laughs) Do not look into the audience. And oh my God, there's Black Thought. Uh, One of the best rappers ever. Oh my God, there's John Legend. Uh, you're about to imitate him. Do not look at him. When you, do that. Um, you know, it, it's, it's part of, it's part of the, the beauty of being human. And, uh, I, and I'm also very grateful that in our show we get to, and, in, and also in our, the academy, what we teach, that dealing with that aspect in a healthy way, um, processing it, talking about it. We do it in the show. Um, and that has been very helpful for me. Uh, the revolution, I think the thing that snaps me out of it is, you know, I'm not on stage playing someone else. It's Tarek Davis. Mm-hmm. And that was the big, you know, FLS changed my life. Um, for 20 years, I've been doing this. And for 20 years before I met FLS, it was, you know, you do your slate uh, and you try to pretend for someone else uh, that you are worthy of approval. And when I auditioned for FLS that first day, James Monroe was in the room and it was helping with the audition and it was instantly it like instantly clicked like oh i've been improvising for 20 years to get here i've been improvising for 20 years and i don't have to pretend anymore i can just play oh my god i can just play i didn't even care about the outcome and like it you know that was weird and beautiful. I had never experienced anything like that. And it, it was the same for the callback. And David and James were there. And, like, they played with us. They laughed with us. We were just playing. And if you get the job, awesome. But, like, the fact that, like, it was just like going over, you know, a friend's house and just playing with their toys. and like, oh, all right, yeah, cool. You know, my my mom said, you know, I had to come over here. <laughs> I didn't know what I was going to expect, but we both fucking love He-Man. Awesome. Um, and then, like, you know, then it was just like, yeah, no, just keep playing He-Man with us. That changed my life. And I realized afterwards, like, you know, then my friend, my, my sister, Amber, you know, comes along that same year. She does a show with us. Uh, and, you know, she, you know, in that, in that like same window, uh, Peacock had officially announced in 2019 that Amber Ruffin would be getting her show on Peacock. Mm -hmm. And so we did our, you know, she came and did Broadway with us and I've known Amber for like over 15 years. And, you know, we do that show freestyle show and like, we're holding our hands for the bow and we get a standing O and I, Amber's not an outwardly emotional person all the time. Like when she cries, it really, you've done something. And so I look over and she's misty and I get misty and we're taking this bow and it downs on us. It's like, yo, we've done so many terrible improv shows together. (laughs) (laughs) We've been booed and people have walked out and here we are years later. Um, getting a standing O on Broadway. And it was her Broadway debut. 
And so we go to a diner afterwards and she tells me like about, you know, she's doing the show and I'm like, so yeah, what's it going to be? And she's like, I don't know. Um, it'll probably be me, uh, our head writer and producer, Jenny Hagel. Uh, she was like, it'll probably be me, Jenny, and you figuring it out. And I thought like, all right, whatever, Amber, sure. Yeah, I'll be, whatever. And two weeks before we start rolling, she gives me a call like, so are you free on Fridays? And she brought me in as Tarek Davis. Again, here I am as myself. 20 years trying to be an actor and my two biggest breaks are me. <laughs> like, so like, even when I have that imposter syndrome, the reality is a little too overwhelming for even me to deny. I'm like, all right, well, these are two very reputable institutions that have vouched for you. Don't deny it. Be an improviser and say yes. I love that story. That is beautiful. And, and so you've got a 20-year history of acting and performing improv and whatnot in the city. Have you have you always tried to to go the comedy route, the improv route, or were you ever trying to do like, you know, I'll put in air quotes, the serious actor type? Yeah, no, I was totally trying to. That was the type I was going for. Like, that was where I always wanted to go. And, you know, life, uh, I feel like, you know, life, like music or like improv or anything, like, you know, you got to stick with the beat. You got to stick with the, the groove. And even in high school, my, you know, all my successes uh, or my big successes in high school, <laughs> all my biggest like things, indicators of like, oh, this is a direction to go in. We're comedic. But I was like, but, you know, Shakespeare, uh, I really want to show people I can act. And, you know, I had those chances and would do well at them. But I think this, you know, now here I am trying to, you know, be a little bit more self-reflective about this experience that I'm experiencing currently. And, you know, as I just said, like, you know, my biggest successes are about me being me and me being me, like comedy alleviating, like, you know, alleviating the pain of reality and trying to elevate those moments, still be truthful and authentic, but, you know, elevate us. I'm like, all right, well, I, if that's, if that's more me, then I shouldn't deny that either. Um, but I still, yeah, I did. I did so many bad plays in New York, uh, Kind of a rite of passage. Yeah, I did. I mean, I love it. And, like, I'm so grateful for all of them. Um, I shouldn't call them bad plays. But, like, you know, plays that, you know, and, like, you know, there are these amazing black box theaters that if you're a New Yorker, you know about them. Uh, Some people, I'm sure, don't. But, like, Under St. Mark's, uh, The Brick uh, in Brooklyn, like, every theater I've been at and I've done, like, I did a play about giant dogs. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I did um, a really cool piece uh, called um, Elephant Dreams, which tried to combine aspects of the Elephant Man and Dumbo. Um, and it was like a, it was a weird, surreal dance piece. And I played Dr. Treves and I've done Shakespeare. Like, in the off park. (laughs) Um, And all of those help fortify, help build. You meet friends, you meet family. Um, You find out your, you know, where you can excel. You can find out where your limitations are. Um, And so like doing that in New York was very, very educational, very helpful. And, um, yeah, I, if I get, you know, if the opportunities ever rose to, you know, to do something that wasn't comedic, sure. But, you know, 
I'm right now I'm very in the space of like, you know, I tell, I tell when I'm teaching, I tell people like, you know, look for your fit. FLS was the fit for me. I had to search for it for a long time, but it was a fit and made perfect sense. Um, that's, I think, as an actor, I think that's what you want. You know, I think there's some actors who can, like, you know, you look at someone like Daniel Day-Lewis and Nicole Kidman, who can completely become different people, right? Um, that's fascinating. I don't think I'm that dude. I think, like, <laughs> wherever I go, everyone's like, yeah, but you're that goofy guy, right? And I'm like, I am. Uh, <laughs> and so you want to find the fit that fits with that. And then you can possibly surprise people with what else you have to offer. Well, there, there's uh, something that I hear a lot of talking to people on the podcast is just embrace what makes you unique. Embrace what makes you different. And if you right. walk into an audition trying to be somebody else, most of the time you're not going to do very well. No, no, you're not. Because you're, yeah, you're, you're, you're searching. You're searching for something as opposed to mining what's already there. Like we're all like such, every person is such like a wealth of information and experiences. Why invent, you know, um, to share with what, share what you got. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think acting is share what you got with like barbecue sauce. Like, you know, it's like, (laughs) oh, that is an amazing chicken dish. Oh, what if we put it in the Wild West? Yeah, you can put mesquite barbecue sauce in that. <laughs> I would be Tarek in the Wild West. I'll just be goofy in the Wild West. Um, but that's that's how I see it right now. Like, yeah, share what you got. You have everything you already need. That reminds me of that movie, I forget what it's called, with uh, Seth MacFarlane and Charlize Theron. Oh, yeah. I forget what the title of it is, but that is Goofy in the Wild West. And that is just the two of them being friends and saying, like, let's like, let's make a movie together. Let's make a movie together. Yeah. yeah. And Liam Neeson. Yes. Uh, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, no, like that. But that's what this all it's just, you know, I, I know try not to be facetious about it because, you you know, you see like the investment like that was also another to hiring back the Tony's just like seeing the investment of like, wow, look at this theater. Look at the crew. Everyone is like top of their game. And it's important and you appreciate it. Uh, and you want to honor that. You don't want to waste anybody's money or time. But then there's another part that's like, you know, I'm a kid of the 80s, right? So I'm like, I reduce everything to like, yo, let's play G.I. Joe's. Like, <laughs> can we get somebody to pay with this? And like, hands off to Seth MacFarlane to be like, yeah, I want to just do a Western with my buddies and have fun and goofy. And like, that stuff is needed. That stuff like helps, you know, Life, this world is not easy. We were just joking about like <laughs> some of the pangs of reality, right? So like before we got on and if you can get together and manifest a dream, a joke, a bit and make it happen and have fun, I bet that's going to help somebody somewhere like forget about whatever they're dealing with. That's I'm, it's full circle because you, literally you started telling the story about Wayne Brady. So I don't know if Wayne's ever talked about if he's got things to deal with. He turned to comedy that attracted him and inspired you or inspired probably countless others. Right. Yeah. And, but specifically we're talking to you, he inspired you. You're here now. And now people are going to come and they're going to see FLS. They're going to go to FLS Academy. They're going to take lessons. They're going to watch the shows and they're going to see, Oh, I can, I can, Oh, that man on stage. I can be just like that. I want to be like that. Yeah. I want to be like that. Um, I can be just like that. And even when you don't think you can, if you follow your passion, um, follow your bliss, as Joseph Campbell would say, um, <laughs> sometimes life will, even if you're not fully convinced, life will be like, well, we are, and take you there. <laughs> um, so be ready. But yeah, like that, to me, like there's nothing, it's, it's corny, but it's very magical. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's, that's the whole appeal, I think, of theater in general, because 
it's it's people's chosen families. It's a it's a tribe of sorts. It's a way to sometimes it's a way to seek validation. Sometimes it's a way to deal with trauma or a way to deal with lack of love or or you know an abundance of one thing or an under underabundance of another. There's something about the arts and performing that attracts everybody. And then you take that one step further, I think, with improv and especially the love and the respect that the FLS crew has for each other and put it all together into this pretty package where there there are no mistakes. You cannot make a mistake when you're on stage with you guys. No, no, you can't. Um, and whatever you might consider to be a mistake or a trip up is where the gold is. And that, and it, it presents itself in finding opportunities in those mistakes and finding, oh, yeah, there really aren't any. Um, and constantly being surprised. Constantly being surprised. To me, that was the biggest lesson of the Tonys, of seeing, yeah, seeing heroes. People who I literally, as a young, as a kid, young man, grown man. You know, I did not know Lynn before FLS. I knew of him. I knew of FLS. Like, we were doing stuff around the same time. Um, and I'm sure we've... I'm pretty sure I met all of these guys, but we... Ne- you know what I mean? But you never really connect. Mm-hmm. And here I am, like, you know, I'm like joking and doing bits with Lynn. Like we're joking about uh, movies and it, and like, you know, it's just like old pals. And then it dawns on me. I'm like, yo, only a few years ago, I was on a bus broke, <laughs> listening to Hamilton and crying my eyes out being like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever heard yo, I got to meet who wrote this. Not knowing uh, very shortly, I won't have a chance to audition for it. And then that leading to FLS. And performing alongside that person on one of the greatest stages ever. Right. Right. We're going to take a short break. Stay tuned for more of the episode. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Okay, so take me back then to, to the audition for FLS because... What? How did you find out about it? How did you get connected? And then, like, tell me about what is the audition? Do they just give you random words and play play the games? Like, they say, okay, here's how you play cipher. Let's go. Let's go. Right. Um, well, the audition was, if I can remember it. I mean, it, 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 tell me all the secrets because I'm I'm prepping myself here. Yeah. No. Totally. <laughs> uh, it started out with a cipher, and I gotta say, I did not. I did not, I was not confident as my, as as a freestyler. I've done it because I had to do it, but this will lead into how I got the audition. Um, But we started out with a cypher and then just some, um, uh, after that we broke into kind of just like some improv scenes uh, uh, that would, you know, um, kind of just these musical improv scenes are like, all right, so here's the scene. Uh, you know, um, 
these two people, uh, it's a mother and her son and, um, you know, uh, you gonna rap about how, you know, you feel like, you know, about the situation. I'm doing a very bad job of trying to describe what happened <laughs> and I'm realizing it was all a blur, but, um, and like, you know, Tommy was there, you know, David and James, and I knew some of the people in the room. Um, and so you're doing these scenes after this, after this amazing warm vibe of the cypher, which carried on for a while. And like after, and like the, the beautiful thing about starting an audition that way is it didn't feel like an audition. It just felt like a warm cypher and everybody starts hyping each other up like, Oh, Oh. And like that energy feeds into confidence and confidence, um, you know, a big secret of, of freestyle and improv is just getting past yourself, mm-hmm. not blocking yourself, saying yes to yourself. And the warmer you can get in your body and your brain and your voice, um, the less roadblocks appear on the road. And then you, next thing you know, like everything starts stringing together and like, oh, Dip, did I just string that perfect, like, that perfect bar? wasn't perfect, perfect, but, like, it's better than I ever thought I'd do. And then I did another one. Oh, because that, you know, the person who I'm rapping with is giving me that energy. And it's, that's this, that was the secret sauce that FLS put into that audition. Like, James is jumping into the cypher. David is jumping into the cypher. Everyone, it's a round table. You know, it's King Arthur's round. Everyone's on the same ground. Um, everyone will very possibly has an opportunity to play. You know what, though? This just gave me an idea, and I don't know if anyone's ever done this, but if you ever go off, or say when you go off and start your own serious theater troupe to yeah, showcase, yeah. Have, the, have the creative team or... Like the people you've already cast, part they're in the room to jump up into the scene with the people you're reading with to give them that real energy. Because yeah. how many times have you walked into a, an audition space, pumped up, ready to go, and your reader, you can tell your reader just hates being hates. there. Yeah, yeah. No, it's that that that's it. You nailed it. Like it it was, you know, I've I, I've had some in these years of in this in this in my career of like looking back and seeing like some of the hard, (laughs) hard days and, and valleys, you get an opportunity for a big audition. Right. And I would get a few of these and you said you get pumped up and I got auditioned for a very big science fiction movie years ago. Very big science fiction. That's all I'll say. You can probably figure it out. It takes place in space. Um, <laughs> and I'm a, I'm a nerd. So I was all about this. And so I got ready. I was ready and I go in and my reader was like, skipping lines, <laughs> <laughs> not looking at me and your heart sinks. And you realize like, you feel like you've been tricked. Um, I did not feel tricked. And that, I think, is even if you don't have an intention of, I think that is what can cause so many people. And the more I think about it, I'm like, I don't know if there's anything worse than if someone has a dream and you had some hand in deferring it. Don't trick people. Um, I don't, I think it's really wrong to hold an audition when you know none of the people auditioning are getting the role because you're going to give it to someone else. Mm-hmm. Don't trick people. They would that like that one audition could ruin somebody just like that one audition can save somebody. So at the very least, everyone make everyone feel welcome, make everyone feel important. Make everyone feel the possibility is real and be genuine about that. And FLS did that for me. 
And I felt like they did that for everyone in the room. No one walked away feeling like they lost. That's got to be nearly impossible as a casting director. Uh, maybe maybe they get used to it. I don't know. I was gonna I was gonna say near impossible to see past when a reader brings somebody else down, brings somebody else that you're that you're interested in, and then maybe it was you know John Boyega who had a good reader. <laughs> I mean, I think you figured it out. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that was that was crazy. But John, like I saw it and I was like, oh, he's perfect for that. But. Yeah, it was it was crazy. It was it's also, you know, you know, this is a this is a game where you know, John Boyega had a full feature like film under his belt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Attack of the Block, which people slept on and I was like, yo, that movie's dope. And luckily the cast and directors thought so too. Um but yeah, I, you know, you you know, you're going to prove something. And so, yeah, I think it is beholden for us moving forward to try to alleviate actors of that burden. You don't have to prove anything. You just got to be who you are. Is and, it easier for you to to take an outline and make some make comedy out of that sort of like what happened on the Tonys or is it easier to start from scratch? Like complete improv, okay, give me a word from the audience, we're going to do a game. I think for me, it's easier from scratch just because that's my trend. Like, that's my bread and butter, uh, figuring it out on the fly um, as opposed to, all right, well, there, you know, I think about it like, uh, you know, my brain works in movies and cartoons. So I think about like Indiana Jones, like trying to spell the name of God, you know, like <laughs> half the floor is real, half the floor is not. Like, I give me no floor. <laughs> like, <laughs> let me take the leap of faith. I that's what I've been doing for a bunch of times. If there's a half floor, like I don't. Oh man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna mess up the name. Um, that was my analogy to try to answer your question. Uh, but I'll, I want to answer so about how I got the audition. Oh yes, yes. Um, so I got the audition because a friend of mine was in town named Jamie Wright, um, who's really good friends with Anthony Veneziali who I did not know, but I knew Jamie. I knew Jamie from Boom Chicago. He was our former video director where I met Amber Ruffin and sort of others. So like, that's my, like, that's a family over there. And Jamie, and so Jamie was in New York and was like, Hey, come with me to see the show. And this, this was right before they were on Broadway. They were in the Greenwich house theater. I saw it and I was like, yo, this show is dope. It reminds me a lot of the show we, I did it in Amsterdam production wise and like the fact that it's like a it's an improv show but like a show mm-hmm. like uh it's got very tight guardrails very tight guardrails like we are performing we know you paid money to see us you will be entertained um you will I, be entertained yeah i really appreciate that and so i see it and i'm like super impressed and then i hang out with anthony afterwards and jamie is telling anthony about me as a teacher, like Tarek's a great improv teacher. And, and I found out that they were building the academy and the me and Anthony hit it on immediately. And then we realized like he brings up one name and I'm like, Oh, that's my really good buddy. He's like, well, <laughs> my really good buddy. And he went through a list of like 10, 15 names. And I was like, wait a minute. That's my do. How do we not know each other? And we we're convinced we've either done improv together and like did a, a bad show at some point and like you just like locked it out locked it out and then we like reconnected and yeah a few weeks later i he calls me he was like yeah we're having these auditions uh come on up and the rest as they say is something that they say <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh Tommy did the same thing. Um, James was telling me, James and Ro was telling me that he and Utkarsh uh, auditioned at the same time 15 years ago. Wow. And, and it was, uh, it, Tommy was like, all right, everybody except James and Utkarsh, uh, please leave the room. And, and then door shut. And then he's like, all right. So he just started talking business and next shows. And James is like, wait, hold, hold on. Wait, does, it, does this mean we, do we get the job? He's like, well, yeah, of course you got the job. And then he went, and then Tommy went back to talking about the next show. Like, yeah. 
just happens. That's Tommy. That's Tommy, yeah. So let's wrap up here with the three standard closing questions that I use on every episode. The first one, very simply, is just what motivates you? Oh, uh, what motivates me? Um, I think something that motivates me is the I really the idea of trying to be better every day. Um, the fact that, uh, of continuing to learn, continuing to be a student and like, you know, I saw, you know, I saw people tap dancing and Gregor Hines is like my hero, but I don't tap dance. And I was like, all right, I got to learn to tap dance. There's something I wanted to do. I got to learn to do it. And the fact that like, I'm, it's a, I'm still able to do that. You know, I can, I'm alive. All right, let's do it. I, that's another form of magic. I don't know if Daniel J. Watts gives lessons, but that dude can tap. Yes, he can. That dude yes. can tap. He can. That's a hoofer. Mm. All right. So the next question is, what advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now, starting out down a similar path? Um, the advice I give to my younger self is you're good enough. You're good enough. You got everything, you know, um, you are good enough you will always be good enough. Um, there's never a moment when you are not good enough. Even when you're like, I don't know how to do this. You're good enough. Um, that's the advice I'd give to my younger self and anybody out here. Doubt is a monster. And it's important in some aspects. It's very important to have doubt. But to doubt yourself uh, when your dreams are in reach can be really detrimental and trying to move that block I think is the work there was something that uh, I wanted to say it, I just remembered that I forgot to say it earlier when you were talking about something similar is that a lot of success a lot of successful people become successful because they tried something they didn't know was hard before they started right and so to tie that to what you just said, if you get out of your own way, then I think you can be a lot more successful in general because speaking from experience myself and the people around me, and it sounds like you've got experience with, the, with this too, that you start to go down a path that's good and you're like, well, it's, it's probably going to get hard. It's, I, th I think I, I, want, I want to pull back and wait for, wait for the sure thing. And then that's when the opportunity is lost. Yeah. No, you have to embrace the, like, I did not want to rap. I did not want to. I had a, the job I had in Amsterdam. We would close with raps, freestyle raps. I hated it. I was not good at it. And it was a, it was a whole thing. And so I would do everything I can to throw a wrench in it. Uh, I'd like, see, I like, I'd do everything I can to not do that. Mm. Um, and I remember when I first got that job, that gig, and that was like my first professional gig, Colton Dunn. Uh, I don't know if you know, he was on NBC Superstore. Super funny dude. He's the one who signed me up for Boom Chicago. And he's like, so you know you're going to have to freestyle rap, right? <laughs> what? And here, look, here it is almost, almost 20 years later. Where I make my living, I make my Tony's debut. <laughs> like, <laughs> Doing that. Um, so embrace the challenge. Embrace the thing that scares you. It's what I'm hearing. It's you're, especially if you're hearing a lot of people say that, there's something to it. Absolutely. Embrace the thing that scares you. All right. So the last question then, this is super hard. If you could only see one show for the rest of your life, but you could see it as many times as you want, what would you see? Live show? Yes. Uh, oof. One show for the rest of my life, but it's the one show I could see. I'd have to say Jelly's Last Jam with Gregory Hines. Oh, you love I mean, Jelly's Jam. Um, yeah, I'd have to see, to see that live. Uh, that would be, that would be the thing I would want to, I would see. And like, I would never get, I don't think I'd ever get tired of seeing that. So if I hadn't said live show, what would you see? If it was a live show, what would no, I? If it, if it wasn't a live show, if it wasn't, um, oh, that's a, even that's a hard question. There's so much stuff that I 
that I, uh, oof. Tap. Starring Craig Hines. Anytime that movie's on, I watch it. Uh, like, you know, um, you know, I fucking, I love that movie. I think that should be a live musical. I just don't know how you do it without Gregory. Listen, it sounds like you got to learn to tap. I think that's, if I took nothing yeah. else out of this interview, it's that you, you got to learn to tap. Yeah, no, it seems to be, yeah, it's calling me. So I'm, I got to put the shoes on and find some wood. Just do it. All right. Where can we find you online? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Tarek R. Davis. Uh, those are my handles. And yeah. Those are the places to, to to find me doing what I'm doing. Tarek with a K, T-A-R-I-K. You can find me on thetheaterpodcast.com, on Instagram and Twitter at theater underscore podcast, on Facebook slash official theater podcast. Leave a rating and review wherever you are listening. This has been edited by Well-Rounded Hoodland Productions. Thank you to Jukebox the Ghost for the intro and outro music. And thank you to Tarek for the extremely amazing conversation. Thank you. I've had a blast. This is so much fun. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.